This program is not intended to diagnose, cure, or treat any disease or disorder. The listener is encouraged to seek sound medical advice from their doctor or other qualified healthcare practitioner before taking any supplements or starting a new health regimen. Welcome to the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. It's uh, early February, the Groundhog Day edition, which means that we're just going to continuously repeat everything we say. Um, or, you know, or I might suddenly see my shadow get scared and scream. Uh, something like that. So, somebody might see your shadow and scream. It might not necessarily be you. Yes. No and, offense. <laughs> yeah. and then, and no there, offense, Jim, but you know. you know. And then there's Adrian Hume, my co-host. Hello, Adrian. Hello from sunny Hawaii. Yes, which is why we don't have a groundhog in Hawaii. I mean, can you think of a dumber idea if they had one of those predictive <laughs> groundhogs? We have mongoose. <laughs> Does that count? You have mongoose in, in Hawaii? Yeah. Yeah, they, really? they were brought in to control the snakes, and then they took over. Yeah, you know, it's always smart when we do that. I, I don't know of a, of a single – has there ever been a case of importing species that, for that kind of thing where it's worked out? I don't, I don't know, but I heard that in Guam what they're doing right now because the, uh, the, the rainforests are completely dead. You walk in, and it sounds better than a sound studio because it's so quiet. There are no birds, no crickets, no coquille frogs, nothing making noise in there. And so what they're doing is they are dropping poisoned dead mice in there to keep, because what happens is the snakes took over because they brought the snakes in to, to take care of something. And so the snakes took over, and now they got to drop dead mice. Well, that beats what they did better. in World War II where they were actually – they had plastic explosive mice. Or rats, oh, actually. Yeah, no, no. They And they would leave them. They would put the explosives inside the rat carcass, and they would leave them lying around in places like, for instance, uh, furnace rooms and buildings, boiler rooms. And then, the you know, some guy would, oh, dead rat, throw it into the furnace, and boom! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they did some um, amazing things back then. And, yes! And speaking of shadows and, and, and weather and all that, I don't know where we mentioned weather, but, you know, I'll... I'll, I'll I'll just do that. Anyway, all that stuff, uh, the land of the midnight sun, uh, the Yukon, you, you spotted a, shared a very interesting ad with, with me, which is, has turned out to be pretty darn hilarious, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, because the Yukoners all need the D. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> do you know what the D, and I'm making air quotes, the D is? I, you know, I, I kind of just like, I've never heard it said that way, but I must, you know, just out of con, just from the context, I, I, I think I do. Yes. And, and it's funny because I, I wasn't totally sure until a, one of my interns mentioned it to me and I was like, oh, I gotta get, I gotta get catch up <laughs> on what the kids are saying today. And yeah, the, the D, uh, if anybody doesn't know what the D is, look it up. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I, you know, I think we just threw, you know, threw Sunny D the uh, the <laughs> we just threw them a curveball. Um, you know, that's that might be a brand rep issue for them. And, oh, and it's I, like like AIDS, uh, the, the diet, the weight oh, loss yeah. pills that they had back in the eighties that got shut down by AIDS. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that pretty well killed that brand. But you know, the the funny thing about look. If it, the confusion with them, you know, they're talking about the vitamin, but the one thing that you don't have to tell a bunch of people who live in a, you know, in a part of Canada where it's like 10 months of winter and, and, and for six months they don't get any sun, 
that they knew that they need the D. You know, there yeah. are there are a handful of things that you can do up there, and one of them is the D. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and, exactly. And and, and uh, yeah, I'm sure that there's no shortage of D. No, no. Or, or the D. No, uh, up there. Uh, you know, with those those long winter nights. Yeah, but, uh... you can get a boyfriend or you can get an electric blanket. It's really up to you. They're probably <laughs> both the same quality of conversation. Um, <laughs> generally, see, speaking... what's, what makes me laugh about this is that I'm quite sure that the marketing executive that came up with this knew darn well what he was doing, he or she was doing, and the local government or whoever was in charge of making this uh, the, the final decision. Jumped on it, totally not knowing where this was going. It, it's possible. I, you know, I think that it's a, it's kind of a. I don't want to get too serious about this because it's so silly. But you know, it, it, it's it's oft, I think it's often frustrating to a lot of people out there just how dumbed down uh, health advertising is and government right. advertising in general. Uh, if if that's you know if this is what you think the common denominator is, then oh man, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> like. Gee, if everybody else is this much dumber than I am, um, why aren't I making a lot more money? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the, well, the reason why I say that I'm pretty sure that the ad exec knew about this is because there's one with a young guy, pretty good looking guy, and it says, I didn't even know that I needed the D2 or, or some <laughs> some permutation of that. They, they knew what they were talking about. So, um, But if you are not familiar with vitamin D. I just want to, to give a shout out to vitamin D. Uh, why we need vitamin D is, uh, is really far reaching. Vitamin D is actually, we call it a vitamin, but it's actually a hormone. And it's, uh, it's integral in many things from uh, helping people with issues such as depression. Uh, it is integral in all of our, our sex hormones and it is also important for bone health. Wow, that gives so, a whole new a whole new relevance to the old saying. You know, is that a banana in your park, pocket, or are you just glad to see me? Um, <laughs> there you go. Is, and by the way, is there is there vitamin D it in is bananas? For your bones. <laughs> Does vitamin do bananas have vitamin D? No, it's oh. a, it is an animal food. Uh, if you're going to get it from from food, and actually, uh, get this, uh, you need cholesterol in your body to to actually convert sunlight into vitamin D. So this whole campaign about less cholesterol and less animal foods and less meat is sabotaging a lot of people. So we're seeing a lot of people that are coming forward. They're like, I eat a great diet. I've never touched animal fats and I don't eat meat and I eat only raw foods. And they have very poor d vitamin D levels, which are – the the effects are so far reaching uh and we see it all the time with children's health uh malformation of bones and and uh you, you know this kind of like bow-leggedness and uh issues like that very young people both male and female showing signs of osteoporosis uh it, it's really something that is just getting on the, the radar for some and uh unfortunately many parents particularly people who are like me dark-skinned are having their kids taken taken away and the reason why they're having their kids taken away is because do they go into the doctor's office they say look my kid's been crying for three days her she's limp uh, we don't know what to do with uh, what's going on why she's crying 
and the doctors will check her that she doesn't have any bruises. He or she doesn't have any bruises anywhere, but they have a broken bone. And what? And the doctor just assumes that all brown people beat their children, so they're taking the children away and saying, and you know, putting them in a foster home or what have you. And uh, in in effect, when these parents push to get these children tested after they do research, they're like, "Look, my kid doesn't even have bruises. I did not beat my child, and I would never beat my child." And you've only this is the only instance where something like this has happened. How dare you decide that? That's the reason why the, the bone is broken. And they find out that these kids have pitifully low vitamin D levels. Well, I'm glad that you didn't get controversial with that at all. Yeah, well, you know me. I try, <laughs> I try to keep it light. <laughs> We're keeping it on the light side today. Oh, oh so you uh, – yeah, I, I mean there's so – yeah, we've talked about this before where I told you I was lucky that my father – uh, found a doctor when you know for himself and that became our family doctor who was very well versed with vitamins and you know was very focused on making sure the different vitamins were you know the ne- necessary vitamins were there so yeah I, I yeah i think we 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 put too much stock in the miracle claims that people make where vitamins are concerned and right. and and too little um you know uh insight where you know the the, the very basics that we need. Uh, right. Are, right. Are there's, concerned. there's a lot of distraction uh, when it comes to vitamins and minerals. And I will do another show on this. Yeah. Cause I, I, I'm going to go down a totally different rabbit rabbit hole. If I continue. Well, so. because yeah, because we, before our guests, we bring our guests on, we, you had a, a really interesting rabbit hole and, and it's certainly a rabbit hole that you wanted to take a look at. You you wanted to, you know, just touch on, um, unsupportive family and friends when it comes to dieting. And, and, and before you go into that, I got to tell you about this. I don't know if you've seen this ad from Vermont teddy bears. Uh, no, I oh, yeah. honestly say I have not. Well, they, you know, they're one of those, we deliver teddy bears to your girlfriend on, on different special occasions. And they, they are trying to, you know, sell the market, this three foot tall teddy bear, four foot tall, giant teddy bear for a hundred bucks. Uh, and they, I'm making a little bit of a f***ing gesture right now, but go on. Yeah, and they mention in the ad, and this is like the second or third year they've run this ad, and nobody has called them on it apparently yet. They talk about, you know, oh, don't get her flowers because they'll die in a few days. Chocolates are fine at first, but then she'll ask you if she looks fat. <laughs> I was stunned. When, you know, it's, it's The first time I saw it, I was stunned, and I was just reminded about it today because I saw the ad again, and I thought... Is this? Are you not getting hate mail for this? Right. Like seriously? It's like then she'll yeah. ask you. I mean, how how sexist can you get with an ad campaign? I mean, seriously. yeah, seriously. Uh, it's just I know. I know it's it, we've we've uh, it's it's as if the media has decided for us who we are, what we want, what we're looking for in our lives, and, and what brings us joy. Oh, you know, and that's really been, yeah, that's the Madison Avenue traditional marketing model, which is which is changing very slowly uh, with the coming of social media, because now it's when they say something stupid, people can, you know, come back at them and, and point that out to them. Uh, right. You know, it's harder for them to ignore. Uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's different in Vermont. I <laughs> You know, I, yeah, right. I don't know, but there, the it doesn't seem as if the only thing they have that's stuffed is the animals they're giving, they're trying to sell people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
We do. Hey, we got a horn section on this show. Now we're <laughs> cooking with gas. Literally. So yeah. anyway, you wanted to talk about family and friends and how unsupportive they can be. And I imagine so often that, you know, family can be discouraging without even realizing it. I I mean, my father, God rest his soul, with, with no intent of harm whatsoever. We, we You know, I have a cousin who's overweight. And uh, it's a big girl. And, uh, you know, she used to jump into our swimming pool and my father would yell stuff like, whale in the pool. Oh, ouch. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. You know, and my father was the nicest, most wonderful guy you'd ever want to meet. He looked at it as just gentle teasing, but it must have been awful for her. Yeah. In retrospect. Yeah. And and that is that is is one aspect of of being unsupportive. And I've touched a little bit on that before uh and actually i was thinking that you know it's maybe it's not uh the truth about fat people as much as fat is the new black because you know black people used to get <laughs> beat up on for everything and now we've just we've just changed the target group to fat people where we we you know tease them that way and we look down on them and we have pre-decided what caused them to be fat in the first place. But what I'm looking at today is uh, the fact that a lot of people do need help. Their, their health is abysmal and their families and friends not only don't support them, but they may even try to actually sabotage them. So, for example, when I found out that I had numerous food allergies and I was having a skin break, my, I told you my skin was you know bleeding. And I mean, I had so many horrible things going on. I couldn't sleep at night. I wasn't digesting my food. I was, I was miserable. I would come home and rip my clothes off. And it doesn't sound as good as, as that, but I would scratch all night long until I passed out from exhaustion. And uh, when I finally found a doctor who could help me, he told me that it was my diet. I had to start incorporating more real foods and less of the non-foods that I was led to believe by our, our wonderful FDA were good for me. And so uh, when I went on this, my then boyfriend, now husband, was very supportive. And he was just like, okay, whatever you need to do. And he ate the same things as me. Granted, when he went out for, if he had to go out for lunch, you know, business meeting, whatever, he would eat whatever was necessary. However, when we were at home, there was none of his creature comforts, the beer or whatever snacks, although he was never really a, a huge snacker, but he just ate what I ate and it wasn't a big deal. There was no, uh, oh, gee, you can't have that either or anything to make me feel guilty about what was needed to do. And in fact, he admitted that he could Use he could stand to to eat better himself, so it wasn't a hurdle in our case. But I see so many of my clients and so many people that I encounter who are going through these changes. They have to uh, change their diet because of some whether it's a, a rash or infertility or uh, uh, bone density issues. Uh, you name it, any any kind of depression, things that make them miserable and, and are visibly making them uh, seem unhealthy. And yet somehow their loved ones 
pick on them when they go to social gatherings. Uh, they walk around with uh, uh, Twinkies or whatever their thing is that they know that the other person loved. You know, oh, I'm going to eat cake in front of you. <laughs> I can have it. You can. <laughs> and then and then they'd say things like, oh, you're taking it too seriously. You can have that that piece of French toast or you can you can do that, can't you? Come on. It's just one time. Yeah, let's go and to IHOP. It's, it's, it's only once a week. <laughs> and it sounds, but it sounds very much like the type of peer pressure that parents will warn their children about when it comes to drugs and alcohol, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know, and I think it really comes from a quality that 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 human beings have trouble, um, um, you know, in in investing in, and that's conscientiousness. You know, it's 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 in fact, it's a word that you don't even hear as much about anymore, although. At the same time, I do think that that things are changing. I I I think that people are, you know, as is, when we start talking about the invisible problems that are out there, uh, you know, humans have a, a you know an ability to look at someone and 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 make a comparison between depression or or other you know health related issues and and a broken arm. You know, we will have sympathy for someone who's limping. Um, right. You know, there's a physical problem, but when it's emotional or, or, or when it's, you know, depression, uh, you know, or, or allergies, as you're talking about, we have a, an issue, you know, because we don't experience it like they do, like anybody right. can get a broken arm. But we rationalize that, oh, no, I'm never going to have depression like that, or I've never had allergies. Oh, they're just allergies. Just take some pills. Uh, and yet anyone who's ever suffered from allergies in any way knows how miserable it is. It can right. knock you right and, on your and, butt. And the type of allergies that I'm talking about, they're not your typical – they're not what most people think of when they, they think of allergies. Most people think of an allergy as the hay fever, sneezing, red eyes, th that kind of discomfort. This is a much more subtle form of allergy, uh, what some people would label an insensitivity, or like we talked with Julia Stuber a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about uh, her intolerance, you know, her gluten intolerance. And these are people who are not, their uh, symptoms are so internalized or so subtle that, that others can't even comprehend that, yes, I get diarrhea when I eat certain things. Or, yes, my skin breaks out when I eat certain things, or I can't sleep at night, mm -hmm. or whatever thing. And, and for someone who's not going through it, it becomes very easy to dismiss it. And even sometimes when people are in pain, because pain is not a broken limb. And it's easy to say, oh, well, you're exaggerating. The, the pain in your wrist or the pain in your back is not, that imp is not as bad as you say. You're just, you just want the attention. Well, try to explain to someone how you know, suffering from an ulcer can knock you flat on your mind. Right. And, and yet it but can. But what's interesting – yeah, exactly. Well, what, what happened to me, was, which was interesting, was that a lot of my family and friends, they saw how sick I was prior to going on my diet and they saw how much I had changed and how much better I looked afterwards, yet they still would tell me that I was taking it too seriously. When in fact it's... How, 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 how f***ed up is that? <laughs> Just... Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, on Adrian's to-do list, oh, you look drop great, f bomb. You can today. have this now, can't you? And it's like I really don't want it. It's, it's not even a question of I I can have it. I just don't want it. 
and that's another thing that I think is is a, a big deal. And we're gonna. I, I want to bring in yeah. Amy Elizabeth to, to start commenting on this because uh, what I had found personally is that uh, it was other people's addictions to certain things that they were putting on me, and they could not fathom that I simply didn't want to drink myself under the table or whatever their the thing was that they wanted me to do. They just couldn't fathom that I didn't want. I don't know, uh, Philly cheesesteak or, <laughs> or something. I mean, I would make a Philly cheesesteak for myself at home, but I just wouldn't want the one at the greasy spoon where they were eating. Well, I, th- I think Amy would find this quote interesting from a, a Canadian songwriter, a, a brilliant songwriter who in one song said, we look into each other's faces, we see the weaknesses so well, but when we stand in front of mirrors, we do not see ourselves. Um, you know, and I really mm-hmm. believe fundamentally that one of the problems that we have with relationships in general is that people often see their own weaknesses and character flaws reflected and amplified in other people. For sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. For sure. Well, let's uh, bring Amy Elizabeth on. She's a relationship coach and she has uh, recently gone through something similar. So I think she can speak a little bit from experience, but her uh, actually, Amy, what, I'm, I'm not going to tell people what you do as a relationship <laughs> coach. I want you to say it in your own words. Great. Well, thank you very much. Hi, Adrian. Hello, Jim. Hey, I hey. want to start by saying I am a podcast virgin. This is my first time, so forgive we'll me if I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah. We'll be, be gentle, gentle with you. Be gentle with me. Don't Take pop it easy. the mic. Um, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's all I got. And, uh, she said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I can give you a brief background. I, um, As a relationship coach, I look at everything the way... I believe it is, which is everything's relational. Um, first of all, that relationship with ourself and the story we tell ourselves about our lives, about our diet, about um, you know the space between us and everyone else that's out there. And so I really, I feel like it's a distillation of uh, my many years of working as a licensed mental health counselor, a nationally certified addictions counselor, and um, an international Imago relationship therapist. So kind of bringing all those rivers of influence together and really seeing, okay, what's most important here, which is the relationship we have with ourself and how much that influences the relationship we have with others. Okay. So that's kind of my little background. Can, and, before um, you go on, can you just sure. explain Imago? Because I, I'm sure a lot of people want to know what that is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, that, that could take a while, but in a nutshell, it's basically this um, notion that the, the baggage we carry from our childhood is unfinished, and nobody has a perfect childhood. We, we may think we do. Um, we may get to a very grown-up place that our parents did a good enough job, and I think that's great, but there's usually some unmet childhood needs. And whatever that unmet stuff is, we often project onto our partners. And we actually go looking for those people that on some hidden level can actually help us fulfill that growth and healing that needs to happen so that we can reclaim our wholeness. So that's part of the work that I do within the more contemplative approach, which is the Buddhist psychology approach, which is what's happening in the here and now. And yeah. oftentimes, if we're having a huge reaction to something, I like to think if, if it's hysterical, it's historical. So that's where we bring in more the Imago perspective of, okay, it might be 20% of what's really going on right here, but 80% linked to the past. So 
Right. It's finding that balance between being mindful in the moment of what's happening and then, wow, what's still happening from my past that's influencing so much of, of the current moment, if that makes sense. So try to... Yes, yes, that makes a lot. Try to live in the now where the ghosts of the past do not abide, as one person once said. <laughs> uh, try to live in the now and, and listen to what the ghosts are saying and reclaim your wholeness. And that can play out in, as Adrian was saying earlier, a relationship dynamic with... Um, and I just want to say, Adrian and I are blessed. It sounds very fortunate that we have supportive husbands yes. who are willing uh, to go on this journey with us as we uh, reclaim our own health and wellness. And sometimes people do not have that. And I guess I could most relate to that and return in regard to alcoholism, which is another substance we put in our body. But I'm 21 years in recovery from, from that. And my family at the time I got sober could not understand why I would quit and would continue to offer me wine and would continue to question my decision around that. And, uh, and that's tough. That's, that's a, that's a kicker. Um, because I like to think of addiction as, okay, you get a short-term benefit, but there's a long-term consequence. So the short, short-term benefit of getting drunk, sure, I can forget about my problems or enhance the celebrations, but the long-term consequence started to outweigh any of the benefits. And my experience in working with countless people is they have a harder time seeing that when it comes to what food they put in their mouth mm-hmm. because the short-term benefit often trumps any long-term consequence, any awareness of any long-term consequence, such as you were saying with the subtle, you know, food allergies or intolerances, which is what I'm just coming off of, of six weeks of wild experimentation with my diet once again, because of a rash, um, which uh, I really, I'm an integrated holistic practitioner in terms of the healing arts. And I think my stress level of moving was related to and had a big influence on my diet and the rash. And it's really hard to, to tease them all apart. So more importantly, I like to look at how, how it all influences the bigger picture. So yeah, I mean, right. the last time I had a rash, it was related to spring break, but that's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to scratch my eyes out. <laughs> but it was relationship, you know, sort of like, you know. Exactly. We can always tie it back to that. Yeah, uh, I don't want to know about that relationship. <laughs> uh, actually, so Amy Elizabeth, could you elaborate for me in your mind? What is it that makes someone who professes their undying love for you want to sabotage you when you were mm-hmm. on your journey to health? Mm-hmm. It seems like the most unloving thing put that way, but right, there is right. rationale, and obviously this is bringing up some perhaps childhood uh, uh, mm-hmm. association uh, for that person, some area of insecurity. What is it that, in your opinion, that drives someone to say, I love you so much, but you know what? Don't worry about your health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you looked, you looked worse last week, but, you know, come on. Right. It's, this is time for us to do something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first response to that is um, that it sounds like there's an enmeshment going on, that there is that romantic notion, which I think is supported hugely in the predominant culture. I can't speak to can- Canadian culture, but I can speak for American culture, which is that vision of two hearts beat as one and, you know, that that unification that takes place. And I think it's a great myth 
um, when we fall under that under that illusion of, you know, that we have to get to a point where we recognize we are not me. And um, to really encourage our partners to find their health and wellness means we got to look at our own and that's hard to do if we're um, not really wanting to do that because people meet at similar similar levels of what I call differentiation. Differentiation is a fancy way of saying, hey, I can emotionally self-soothe. I know what's going on within my own skin. I'm here. I'm okay. And I can stay emotionally connected to you no matter what's going on over there. And we meet each other at similar levels of differentiation. And when one person starts to get healthier, the other person either has to get healthier or it's not going to work out is what I've found. And so it's kind of a pull of, oh, am I really ready to do this work? And so oftentimes that's where the sabotage comes in because people get stuck in that comfortable, it's almost a cocoon mentality of it's dark, it's dank, it's familiar. Yeah, I know what it's like to sit and get chip-faced eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's every night and damn it, if you're not going to do dairy and sweets anymore, how am I going to do that without feeling guilty when you're, you know, on your high horse and not doing that kind of thing? Right. And this is one of the things that, sorry to interrupt you, but this is one of the things that I always found interesting was that I never flaunted what I did in front of other people's faces. Mm -hmm. And I know, and, and personally, I always assumed that my difference in the way I needed to eat for my health for a lot of people was getting confused with the person who was on their high horse was that would, you know, if you said, I don't eat meat, they said, well, I don't eat dairy. And uh, you don't eat dairy. I don't eat fruit. And you know, how do you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know or, or, or something that isn't fruit or, or whatever you, you eat fruit. I don't eat anything. I just breathe air, you know, like, so mm-hmm. everybody, it, it seems like we've gone through as a society, this, this, no, and we continue to go through a number of these, these guru-y fad diets uh, for, be, you know, which may or may not produce g- better health results, but that it seems like everybody's always trying to trump everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so somehow, because I needed to eat a certain way, I got lumped in with those people who were just trying to one up each other. Uh, but meanwhile, it, I was totally silent. I would go to a party, I would just bring my own thing, and I would eat my own thing, and I'd be cool, and I, you know, I'd talk about everything else. And people would constantly come up to me. Well, what can you eat? Well, why can't you eat this? And my, uh, I, look at me, I'm fine. I eat, I'm fine. And uh, well, but then. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, what was interesting, what I always found interesting would be that aside from those conversations where they're boasting about how great they feel doing whatever they want, uh, then you would, if you really tune in, you would hear about the aches and the pains, the mm-hmm. uh, the depression, all the all the stuff that they were claiming were was not was non-existent during the discussion about health would surface in totally unrelated discussions. Well, I think that Amy can put right. this, you know, it, it can you know, clarify this, but I, my opinion has always been that when people are asking those kind of questions, they're not asking about what you can do. They're asking about what they can do because, mm-hmm. you know, now you're, you've got them a little worried, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and if you can give up ice cream, why can't I give up ice cream and, and be happy? Mm-hmm. And, and, and if, if you can do it and I can't do it, then, then that's sort of a negative on me. W- would you say that? Right. Uh, I mean, I would agree. Really Yes. And, and to go back, this, this ties to what you were saying earlier, Jim, which is I think there's this um, notion which we all kind of push away and, and have an aversion to. But the truth is you spot it, you got it. 
When you see mm. something in someone else, it's within you. So if you think about the three people you admire most on this planet, there's some qualities about them that are within you, but they may be lost to you. They may be part of your hidden self or your unclaimed self or your disowned self. The same goes for those three people you absolutely cannot stand and you abhor them. That's part of your you know, lost self. It's hidden in there as well. And I think when we can start to see each other as mirrors and we can start to embrace the, the messiness of being human and the, the shadow side to bring in the, the Groundhog Day <laughs> theme, <laughs> as well as the, the bright inherent health and intrinsic brilliant sanity that we all hold. I mean, that's me shouting out my beliefs, but I think it's within all of us. And I feel like my job on this planet is to help bring that out in people and reflect it back to them. I don't have the answers. I can't tell people what to eat or how to you know, parent their child or how to interact with their spouse or how many times they should have sex per week or whatever. But I can pull out that basic inherent dignity and worthiness and health and reflect it back from a place of we're all in this together. And that's where the mindfulness comes in. It's, it's being present in the moment without judgment of right or wrong, good or bad. And, and in that place, I think we, we have a much more level playing field. And I'm really curious what you were starting to say earlier, Jim, about this shift that you said things are changing. You were talking about conscientiousness and how that word isn't used much. And I was curious if you could say a little more about that. Like what, what shift do you see happening? Because I, too, see a shift, but I'm just curious if we're kind of on the same page of what the shift might be. I, I, I think I see a shift towards people being more sensitive about um, yes. you know, about other people, more conscientious about other people. In, in some cases, it's a forced shift. But, mm-hmm. you know, humans are Pavlovic. Um, mm-hmm. We react. And, you know, the only real control you have in this life is, is your reactions to any given situation. Right. Um, and I, I think that our connectivity, because, you know, the human condition is this issue of isolation where we're in a sea of humanity and yet we are often completely alone. And mm-hmm. S- mm-hmm. the one thing that social media has done is 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 given so many more people the exposure to so many other people and reminded them that in many cases, you know, especially where emotional issues are concerned, you're not alone. You're not right. There are, there are no perfect people out there. You know, mm-hmm. we're always so shocked and surprised when some famous or rich person, you know, uh, uh, you know, commits suicide or something. And, and, and but yet we don't learn anything from that lesson. We don't learn that, you know, we, we, it doesn't convince us that, OK, so look, I've got issues with depression. That doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me a freak or, or anything like that. It makes me a human being. Um, right. You know, and I, I, I think that that is changing to some degree. I think that there will always be people out there who who just will not have that ability to emotionally connect with others. Um, and, and I think the odds are that you probably everybody has one of those people in their family. But I think generally speaking, um, as a species, as a culture, we're making some progress in, in, in that regard. And and social media is helping us to, you know, being connected online with the way we are now and the way it's progressing is, is helping us to see that without having to have, you know, uh, morality or ethics legislated, which is, you know, mm-hmm. we always get to that point. You know, in the past, it's always been a case of, you know, it gets extremely out of control. And then, you know, we have, you know, government 
you know, bringing in policies or laws uh, to address it. Uh, whereas online, what we've seen is that communities, online communities, are very much like water. They find their own level. Mm-hmm. You know, so who you expose yourself to really has a, an effect on on your perspective. And some people wall themselves off even online, and it's dangerous because they 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 get this idea that you know they may have. Um, um, you know aberrations in their you know in their behavior, and they find other people with the same aberrations, and they lose all perspective. But I think, generally speaking, what it results in is you know is an improvement. I think that the more we connect, the more we learn, the better we are. Yes, I would agree with you that we are shifting into a more relational paradigm, and to find the common denominator of what are we all experiencing. And operate from that place. And I think to comment, Adrian, on what you were saying about all these fad diets and, oh, I'm yes. gluten-free. Well, I don't do dairy. Oh, you eat meat, but I'm vegan. And what does that mean for the animals? And, I mean, it, it's ad nauseum, no pun intended, but it just goes on and on. <laughs> exactly. I think that is a fundamental form of self-aggression. Yes. When we think we always need to change. Right. And so I love to remind people, first of all, we've got to cultivate that awareness Mm-hmm. of what we're what we're experiencing what is the story we're telling ourselves what are we putting in our bodies and i agree with what you just said jim about control you know that the only thing we can control is our reaction and our attitude right. but for me the stress of moving and all of that i tried to control other people i couldn't so what did i do i started to control my food intake again so mm-hmm. i'm very curious about that relationship like well i got to control something cuz it's all rooted in fear right now and what am i going to do and right whew. well you know this is a, also something that a lot of people may consider a shift from a male mm-hmm. dominant mm-hmm. dominant uh, pattern of thought to a more female and uh nurturing pattern of thought hey there yes and we're seeing this <laughs> we're seeing but we're, we are seeing this where men tend to be the ones more about the control aspect of things and uh the aggressiveness like you said uh whereas women tend to be more in tune with the depression the the emotional needs and i think we're, we are definitely starting to see this paradigm shift in that direction if you, you know, to, to look at it from a yin-yang type of pr- perspective. Right. And I'm going to be so bold as to say we're actually experiencing a new paradigm where it's a blend of both. Oh, for we, sure. We've had, you yeah. need that. That's just, because it is needful. Who is it? Who is it? The New York mayor or whoever it was that's no coke in the schools. We're taking out all the pop machines and, you know, so like, you meant cocaine. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> No Coca-Cola. But, you know, that's the directive. That's the, you know, putting it into action. And then there's the relational piece that's that's behind it. And there's a whole lot more mindfulness happening in the public educational system. And what I was starting to say is we've got to cultivate that awareness, that mindfulness of what's going on, move into a place of acceptance of, gosh, this is who I am. This is who you are. And and then move into action of what do we need to do from that place? Because I think in our culture, by and large, we truncate the acceptance piece and we just we get aware of, oh, man, I'm overweight or, oh, man, my blood pressure is high or, oh, my goodness, you know, my A1C or whatever it is, the levels are, are not good. And then we immediately try to change it as if it's not OK or we try to push it away and ignore it. And I, I just advocate for this sense of, oof, 
okay, let's accept this for a moment. Let's really get familiar with what does this mean? What is it? And take a breath. Well, that's, that's just it is that we need to, from, a, from my perspective uh, on the uh, nutrition health side uh, or, or body health side is to say, okay, well, this has happened. What is it telling us? What it's otherwise it's, it's a very kind of Orwellian perspective to just be like the number, you know, just be so focused on the numbers and not really understand what those numbers mean underneath. So how can, okay, so the, the A1C went up. So what can I do? That's reasonable to bring it down, not not to artificially bring it down, which is where the focus has always been, is how can I just bring that number down as opposed to, okay, so what is it telling me? It's telling me something, not just about that. No, that number means nothing unless you look at the underlying condition that it's trying to tell us about. But a society that's – And I hear you as an advanced – Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, please, go ahead, Amy. I, I, he, I hear Adrian as an advanced um, – uh, uh, how shall I say, higher level functioning person to understand that. Because I'm going to give an example which goes contrary to what you pr proposed at the beginning, that we talk about families and friends who may try to sabotage our health efforts. Right. I'm actually in a situation where I'm trying to help a, a family member recognize, oh, you, you're pre-diabetic and you're drinking tonic water, which I thought was just tonic water, but I looked at the label and it's 26 grams of sugar with high fructose corn syrup in it. Exactly. And I point that out and he immediately gets defensive and he doesn't appreciate that I'm pointing that out. And so he's, his response was, my A1C tests are good. My, right. my levels are good. So he, it's all about the tests. It's all oh, about yeah. the doctors still holding the authority. It's all about the, well, I'm going to die of something anyway. So my current struggle is how to support people when they may not even want the help. <laughs> well, that's just it. And that, this has been my struggle for the last 20 years is that I get those people all the time. They ask me the question. You know, they pay for the, the consultation. Mm -hmm. They ask the questions. They don't like the answer. Mm -hmm. And then they say exactly, oh, I have to die of something anyway. And then right. a lot of them are coming back now because they are dying. Right. You know, they're, they're, or they're going under the knife. And then, oh, can you fix this? And, I'm, and to boot, they don't want to pay. <laughs> so, so, and I'm not saying that it's all about the money, but hell, my kids have to eat. Right. So, you know, so wait a minute. You, you, you paid your doctor to basically put your one foot in the ground and you want me to pull that foot out now. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, it, it, it's really, it's, it's just very interesting for me to look at that. Because uh, mm -hmm. they they all come back eventually, which is telling me something that they saw something in what I had to say mm -hmm. that was not being met somewhere else. Right. And, uh, well, and yeah, go on. I, sorry to interrupt. What I was thinking is when that resistance shifts more into the conflict of, well, yes, but I want the information, but I can't pay or I'm unwilling to pay. But the doctor said this, but I don't know what to do. I love to see, and I tell couples this all the time, conflict is growth trying to happen. Okay, mm. There's some conflict here, conflict within yourself of having to pay for your wellness, conflict of you know, having to change your diet, conflict of having to, you know, whatever the case may be. If we can positively reframe that into, okay, there's growth trying to happen here. How can we, again, cultivate that awareness, that acceptance, and then move into action and really operate from that place I have found that I have more traction with people. And again, I'm not working with people necessarily on nutritional aspects. I do work with recovering addicts, but I'm doing more of the relational health, you know, usually between husband and wife or mother and daughter, that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, how do we reframe this? Because 
you're tired of the core scene getting inflamed again of wanting to vaporize each other and you get to recognize that you know jim knows all about vaporizing oh yeah (laughs) and and you get to recognize choosing to see your beloved choosing to see your partner as an enemy is a choice just like jim said earlier you know we have choice in this lifetime here in this earthly plane and yet we we often um, get misaligned but with what we think we have power over and what we don't and and that's that's endlessly fascinating to me so so we're gonna have to wrap up soon uh-huh. um and i do want to ask uh one question and i'm gonna ask you guys to do a little role play for me okay <laughs> so <Ooh>. that's <laughs> i don't that's even know what he looks like oh my gosh All that's right. okay you don't need to. can i be person uh, b just- i want to be person b <laughs> <laughs> you're you're you're, the, you're you're not even person B. You're oh. you're under the you know the box with the big generic B on it. Sweet. <laughs> and, and 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 Amy Elizabeth is with the generic A on her box. And let's just say you guys are married, and Jim is uh, giving you a hard time. You have to change your diet because of some health issues, Amy Elizabeth, and uh, Jim. He's trying to sabotage you. How how do you see the conversation evolve? Is it you? I would assume it would be you who would want to initiate the conversation about how we can change the dynamic so that he's no longer threatened by what you need to do. How, how does that conversation start to look? Just mm-hmm. to give people a, a sense of of how you work and and how this can help them in in their own struggles. Yeah. Well, I think I've got you. And what I'm hearing is that I I'm partner A and I need to change some things in my life, my my diet, and I'm looking for support from my partner who's been unwilling up to this point to give it. Right. And, and you're not you're not anorexic or something like that. Okay. You're you like genuinely have a health condition that needs you to eat salad three times a day let's just say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so and jim uh, hates salad yeah no <laughs> <laughs> so if it's um if it's a calm moment and we're not caught up in the power struggle and the conflict i would try employing some nonviolent communication strategies i would claim my feelings of i feel disrespected when you keep making me a costco croissant sandwich with American cheese and um, store-bought roasted turkey on it. I would like it if you would stock the larder with some vegetables. And then I love, I don't know if you're familiar with nonviolent communication. That's not my trademark, but I borrow from it. But I tag on something at the end, which is letting go of any connection that the other person and will change, but knowing that I've been assertive and I've asked for what I need. Um, and that's where the real rub is because there's so much um, either aggressiveness um, or passive aggressiveness that gets in the way of healthy relations that I'm a huge fan of assertiveness. So that's if things were calm. If things were volatile in the moment and I'm coming in and we're fighting and I'm, I'm ravenous because I know personally if I don't eat, I get really, really bitchy. Um, and I come in and and I'm actually in a situation where my husband does most of the shopping, most of the cooking, and he's made um, grilled cheese for the kids. And it's, you know, the bread and the dairy, and I'm trying to do less of that. Um, and I'm off. I may say something like, how dare you? Why do we keep eating the sad diet, the standard American diet? This isn't good for me. It's not good for the kids. 
you know, you're gaining weight too. And I try to like off gas and put it on everybody else too, that everybody needs to change like I am. The best thing that Jim could do as my partner would be to mirror back what I'm experiencing. And that's where I bring in the Imago intentional dialogue. So I don't need him to fix me. I don't need him to, to do anything, but I need to be met where I am. If that makes so, any sense. So, so Jim, so you would say he, to me, so, yeah, what would he, say? he would say, let me see if I'm getting you. What I hear you saying is you really are not happy with the dinner that I put on the table and you're concerned what it's doing, not only to yourself, but to your kids. And you're really hungry. Am I getting you? So Jim, that's what you would say. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I see. Because, you know, no, it's, it's interesting because I, I often, when I'm coaching clients about social media and that kind of thing, I say, look, you, if you're having a discussion on social on any number of platforms, you could have the most insightful, brilliant comment that anyone has ever made. But if you start that comment off or end that comment off with, with a line like, you're an idiot, you know, or something like uh-huh. that, the only thing the person remembers from what you just said is, you're an idiot. Uh, right. You know, so mm-hmm. whenever you go down that road, it, it, it's always a problem if, you know, if you focus on, on the issues at hand, but you know, it, it really is a, you know, this is not a new problem where, where, especially where men are concerned about listening, um, mm-hmm. to their partners. I mean, I, you know, guys, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to sell you out here, but you know, we, we do have an issue with listening. We, we, you know, men, m- men are all about the control. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not as interested, we're not as focused on, on, on nurturing and, and and relationships and, and, and sharing, uh, uh, you know, as much as women are, I mean, you know, and again, I'm generalizing, but women have this amazing ability to network and share that most men don't seem to have the ability to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and hopefully we're going to get better at that, but it's, it's, it's in, in some ways, I think it's not socially acceptable for men to, uh, to be sensitive. They've so much of, I think the way, uh, men behave in that regard comes from their socialized socialization, their conditioning as children. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And I'm, I'm seeing it shift. You know, I, I don't think I'm Pollyanna here, but I'm definitely looking for the positive out there. Otherwise, oh, yeah, it's, it's hard to get it's, out of bed coming. in the morning. But um, there is a shift in that men are starting to see that vulnerability is a way of, a way of seeing their strength. I see more men with baby Bjorns, you know, toting the kids around. I see more men in the kitchen. I see more men involved on a day-to-day basis with the mundane runnings of the house. And in that, there's more engagement. There's more... I mean, we desperately need fathers to show up and be present in the parenting realm. We desperately need men to be involved in the care of the home because it's too much for one person to handle. And you Especially know, when both things, of you are working. <laughs> exactly. And as those things are shifting, I think men are recognizing the importance of tending and befriending, which historically are more feminine traits. But in doing that, they're more likely to get where they want to go. And I ask my kids this all the time. I, when, when their behavior seems a little off, I'm like, is doing what you're doing right now getting you where you want to go? And if not, let's hit the reset button and see how we can do it differently. And I ask myself that all the time, too. I am so not perfect. and You know, I can be doing something that's, you know, maximizing my energy and out there, bah, and my husband gets in his turtle response and pulls back in his shell. And then I need to get bigger to try to get to him. And it's not getting where I want to go, you know, right. so I can learn to contain my energy more, 
he can feel that safety between us and he's more likely to come out and get curious about what's going on with me. You know, and then the whole, I mean, we've been talking a lot about communication and words, but then the importance of the embodiment, you know, of actually being in our bodies and hugging until relaxed or, you know, breathing together. I mean, I'm really into a lot of the the um, power of being in the body, but I'm probably going down a track where I could talk for hours and we need right. to wrap up. But right. there's yeah. so much more to say and discover. And I, I think right. there's good news here. Um, I think there's there's more more being revealed on a daily basis of how we can support ourselves and in doing so support the other and acknowledge the otherness of, of our partner. And in doing so, maybe we have different diets. Maybe we have different needs around food. And how do we um, find the, the peaceful middle ground in the space between where it doesn't have to be a, a source of perpetual problem and um, power struggle. Right. Well, just to, I'm just going to make uh, my own lame attempt to uh, distill uh, mm-hmm. what you've said into a few uh, buzzwords, perhaps, or, or just steps that people can, in case they kind of missed where you, what you were saying in, in the sense that uh, just steps that people can take that are important in nurturing these relationships uh, past any potential conflict that could be brought on by a change of diet, by a change of lifestyle, by a change in um, fitness habits, let's say, uh, would be one to get comfortable with expressing how you feel or how whichever party feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, understanding the choices that we each make in the relationship where that goes and what we can do so if the partner is not on board uh they have that choice and it's okay Mm -hmm. and uh, a a final thing which i'm going to try and now rack my brain to remember exactly what i was going where i was going with this final thing is to uh get comfortable with with uh, uh hearing the other person and and letting them know that you heard them when yes. they have their concerns. Would that be a, a, a decent assessment of, of uh, three key points that people should keep in mind? Absolutely. That, that's a wonderful synopsis. The, yes, the importance of knowing how you feel, being able to share how you feel, and looking at the choices that we make in the relationship and, and get comfortable with acknowledging our partner's otherness through the process of deep listening, through the intentional dialogue, through nonviolent communication, through whatever means possible, including our bodies. I would Fantastic. say yes. Great summary. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amy Elizabeth. You know, we weren't we weren't 100 percent sure where we were going when we started, that's what I want to say. But it was I mean, it it is it's such an important topic to talk about, because most people don't discuss that. And I've seen the families fall apart because somebody had to make a change or they just decided to make a change for whatever reason. And and uh, it was too much for certain family members to handle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I um, thank you so much for sharing that and how people can bring that wholeness back into their relationships and, and not uh, suddenly become so fragile just right. because the partner needs to make those changes that, that what existed once is still there. It's a matter of unveiling it and seeing it through a slightly different lens. Yes, exploring the mystery of the other because we're all constantly 
transforming and so is our partner. And when we can acknowledge that, it, it's it's very helpful. So right. thank thank you so you much, bet. Amy. And we, we'd love to have you back again. And uh, you know, and her website oh. is amyelizabethgordon.com if you want to ex- uh, explore more of her work and how she might be able to help you, whether it's with your uh, food relationships, your personal relationships. Uh, uh, she also uh, mentioned that she has worked with uh, people who are coming off of alcohol and, and other addictions. Uh, so uh, check out her website for sure and uh, be in touch. And uh, Amy, you might be able to hook us up with like a little PDF that people can uh, can download from our site. Is that correct? Yes, I will. I, okay. And, and uh, Jim awesome. will appreciate hearing this. The closet Luddite in me is coming out of the closet. <laughs> I am Ooh. willing to engage in more computer and podcasts and uh, getting the word out there. So yes, I will gladly get you a PDF and get that up on your site, Adrian. All right. So look for that on our website and we'll have that within the next few weeks on the page uh, for Amy Elizabeth, this episode with uh, Amy Elizabeth Gordon. And of course, our, uh, our website is nutritionheretic.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic. Please uh, drop by either one of those places. Uh, Drop us a note if you'd like to be a guest, if you have someone you'd like to suggest as a guest. And uh, by all means, uh, make sure that if you're listening to us on iTunes that that you rate the show because we really want to hear what you think about it. Oh, and now we're on Stitcher. And now we're on Stitcher. (laughs) And you can rate us on Stitcher too. We are in stitches about being on Stitcher. That's we're loving that. Hey, Adrian, I love me some stitches. I love me some stitch. Huh? Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm not. No, just just go, Jim. Just Don't go, go there. with it. Amy Elizabeth Gordon, thank you so much. Very welcome. Thank you both so much as well. And thank you, Adrian. And we'll be back again next week. <laughs>